Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults. And Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation. The average teenager can walk into their high school and within five minutes find any type of drugs or alcohol. Do you like it? Wow, that feels really powerful. I'm Jim Burns. Well, kids today are under a lot of pressure to try drugs and alcohol. In fact, one recent study revealed some pretty fascinating statistics. More than 50% of church-based kids have experimented with some kind of illicit drug and close to 90% have tried alcohol before their 18th birthday. Well, oftentimes, kids will be seduced by negative peer pressure and they will experiment with drugs or alcohol. And when that happens, it can leave a parent stunned, embarrassed, and, well, confused. Sharon Hirsch is one of those parents who was blindsided by her daughter's experimentation with alcohol. And as a result, she now counsels other parents about the realities of teen substance abuse. Today on Homeward, I'll talk with author and counselor Sharon Hirsch about substance abuse and your kids. So keep it right here. From the studios at the Homeward Center for Youth and Family on the campus of Azusa Pacific University, graduating difference makers since 1899, welcome to Homeward with parenting and family expert Dr. Jim Burns. I'm Roger Marsh. During the next half hour, a very candid conversation about substance abuse and your kids with the author and counselor Sharon Hirsch. You know, part of our work at the Homeward Center is working with young people, people who are considering getting into youth ministry or family ministry. There are so many different programs available on the undergraduate level and also on the graduate level as well, our Youth Sphere Certificate for young people and, and older folks alike who'd like to get some extra training. But this issue of substance abuse is becoming more and more of a problem. It's one that we're dealing with very seriously in the Homeward Center. And this conversation, I hope, will serve as a reminder of how important this discussion should be. Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. We're talking about becoming your daughter's ally in the fight against teen substance abuse, a very important topic today, and a very special guest. Sharon Hirsch is with us today, licensed professional counselor, author of several great books. If you're not familiar with her material, go look at her material. It's great stuff. Sought after retreat and conference speaker, mother of two teenagers. She lives in Colorado. Welcome to sunny California. It's great to be here with you, Jim. Well, great to be with you as well. And as I said before the program, I appreciate so much all that you write about and uh, kind of, you know, sometimes families in crisis. But, you know, the truth is, is that families today are, are in crisis. Now, today we're going to talk about substance abuse. And you've written a great book called Mom, Everybody Else Does. And I love your books and I love what you have to say. Interesting enough, I'm thinking as a parent now, you know, smoking, drinking, drugs. I mean, no other aspect of the teen culture are more threatening to parents. Parents today are scared to death that all their kids are going to go in that direction. And the truth is, is that a majority of kids at least have the experience. Is, is that what you're finding? I think what I really have discovered as I've written on this subject and spoken about it and then been with my own teenagers is most parents of teenagers either stick their head in the sand and don't want to look at this, or they throw their hands up in despair, saying the problems are too overwhelming. Everyone seems like it, they do experiment with drugs, alcohol, tobacco. And we parents don't have very effective things to say that really will make a difference. Well, you're right. You know, at the University of Colorado, near where you are, a fascinating study with church kids that basically said at least 
87% of kids will try alcohol. Mm. Church kids will. Mm. Um, so there's, you know, that one kid who's, who's not going to by the time they graduate from high school. But it says 56% will try an illegal drug besides alcohol. Obviously, alcohol is illegal to somebody underage. I think a lot of parents say, well, my kid is going to be that one kid or, you know, the four kids who don't. But the truth is, is that even really good families struggle with substance abuse. And I, I know you've written elsewhere that where you say that basically every family in America is touched by addiction, but substance abuse would be one of the big ones. They really would be. And I I remember before I wrote this book, when my daughter began high school, I ended up picking her up from a party that she was at. And the young man, and he seemed quite a bit older, he had facial hair, and she was 14 (laughs) at the time, who answered the door, had a can of beer in his hands, and I freaked out. Because I really did think, certainly my kids would be those kids who avoided substance abuse because we had talked about it so openly in our home. And when I sat down with her and decided that we needed a mediator to help us talk about this topic, he looked at me and he said, Sharon, did you really think that you were going to keep her away from alcohol? And with all seriousness, Jim, I said, yes, I did. And he looked at me as tears started going down my daughter's face. And he said, well, then you're going to have to take her out of high school because alcohol is everywhere in the teenage world. And I think it was then I realized what an overwhelming culture teenagers face today when it comes to substance abuse. Right. It's not easy. And I agree with you. And and I also agree with you in terms of my own life with my own kids, because I thought, well, because I'm a youth pastor, you know, they're going to like (laughs) me. Um, They're going to think I'm cool, just like, you know, the kids who came to my Mm -hmm. youth group when I was a youth pastor. And, you know, all of a sudden, as they became teenagers, you know, things changed for me. And, And I, too, was amazed at, you know, what was going on. One of the things that you said in your book, when you're talking about that particular party, as you said, your daughter came to the door and it was like her eyes were um, like a deer's mm-hmm. eyes looking into the headlights. I mean, she was 14. She said she didn't expect at 14 that there would be as much alcohol at that party. And, and I think you believed her on that. I did. I do think that most yeah. um, young teenagers, especially as they start to socialize with their peers or even to socialize at school during breaks, are not prepared for the onslaught of the availability of substances. The average teenager can walk into their high school and within five minutes find any type of drugs or alcohol. I think it's important for you to say, and I interrupted you, but I want you to go on, but I think it's important for you to say that because I think there's a lot of parents. You said at the beginning, the parents kind of have their head in the sand. They say, well, because my kid comes from our family and because (laughs) my kid goes to XYZ church and because my kid really is a lot better kid than some of these other kids that I see at the mall, they're not going to have this problem. But you're saying the case is they're going to be faced with it just as much as anybody else. They are going to be faced with it. And not only that, they're going to be faced with a culture that puts expectations upon them that that create this inner turmoil. And in our culture, we're not very good at teaching teenagers how to deal with that. And so they come across substances, which are readily available, everyone seems to be using, and they discover something that works fast and effectively to kind of make them feel okay in their world. And then we as parents say, well, just don't do that. Just say no. And that makes no sense. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was on a radio program not too long ago with a book that I'd written on this subject. And the woman said, what do you think of the just say no campaign? I said, I think it's ridiculous and horrible Hmm. because if we only just say no and we don't then help them learn to say no and deal with the issues. I mean, you got two things going. One is you've got the issue of, you know, it kind of does. I mean, drugs work. Let's face it. They make Mm -hmm. you feel better. They're temporary, but they work. You know this from your own life. I want to talk about that in a minute. But also peer pressure. Kids need to feel like they are conforming to their peers. And because 
you know, that boy had a beer in his hand, there was a pretty good chance that your daughter or at least other kids would say, well, because this person drinks, I want to be accepted by my peers, so I'm at least going to try and taste it. One of the things that you say that I think is very fascinating is that you say girls are much more susceptible to peer pressure, which leads girls to, in some ways, drinking for different reasons than even some guys. I do think that the issues with regard to substance abuse are different for boys and for girls. Talk about that. Because girls are more relational. Now, I'm not saying boys don't need relationships. Right. Um, they don't. They need them desperately. But girls are innately more relational. And so they begin to look around in their social setting and say, okay, what will make me accepted? What will make me like everyone else? And then furthermore, as you alluded to, because drugs and alcohol do work in lowering inhibitions, in allowing me to talk more easily or not maybe pay attention to my anxiety, girls are especially vulnerable to substances because... Because they do make them feel like they can be okay in their own skin and in the overwhelming world of adolescence. And that's something that does give them confidence. Well, that's fascinating. Now, one of the reasons you're concerned about teen substance abuse is because you're a recovering alcoholic yourself. So here you are sitting here. You've written amazing books. You're a great communicator. And yet, you know what you're speaking about because that was your path as well. I do, Jim. And in fact, when my own kids began to face these pressures, I noticed how growing up in a home where we talk openly about things, where both of my children were aware that they came from a family where addiction was prevalent, how they responded differently. And once again, I think that we as parents need to really, really get it that no one is immune from these struggles. My son, who has given me permission to talk about his own story, began experimenting with marijuana when he was in the ninth grade. Which is very normal. And because I was a counselor and trained, I looked the other way (laughs) when I saw symptoms that were really yelling at me to pay attention. I knew from my own life that we were going through some very difficult things in our family. He was having more trouble than his sister fitting in. And um, he struggled with ADD, various struggles that would make him vulnerable to this. But Jim, I didn't want to pay attention because it scared me. And so finally, uh, when I, in the middle of the night, felt much like um, God was speaking to me directly, I went down to the garage and began to search through some of his stuff and discovered that he was indeed experimenting with marijuana and confronted him about that. And I think when I said to him, Graham, we have talked about this, you know, from my own life, um, how dangerous it can be for you to experiment with drugs and alcohol. He said, Mom, I am not going to be like you. And so, once again, another piece of evidence that we parents need to pay attention to, that our teenagers are a world into themselves, and we cannot predict because of our own stories or because of what we do in our own homes, whether they will be vulnerable to these temptations or not. Incredible conversation. Sharon Hirsch with us. You know, once our kids enter the teenage world, the drug war comes home. Parents, we've got to be ready. Boy, do we have to be ready. And Jim, and sometimes as we've seen here at Homeward, it's not even waiting for teenagers. I mean, kids in their uh, 8, 9, 10 years of age are getting involved in this too. Sharon Hirsch has written about this. She's got a great series of books, actually. And they start out with, they're all the, the titles are all in quotes. Mom, you know, everyone else does. Or sex is no big deal. We've got a link on our website today at Homeward.com uh, to how you can uh, connect with these resources because they're very, very important to look at. And Sharon Hirsch writes about this in a very authentic way. It's one of the reasons we like featuring her on the program. As, as a mom, as a single mom, as a counselor, as one who's st- struggled with chemical addiction herself. She's very, very candid, and she's 
very unashamedly writing as a mom to teenage girls in particular, but these are principles that will help uh, you regardless of whether you have sons or daughters at home. Learn more about her work when you go to homeword.com. And while you're on our website, be sure you also browse and look through. And when you get to the landing page and there's a newsletter tab, click on there and you can sign up for Homeward's Culture Brief as well. It's absolutely free. It comes every Friday. You can sign up at homeward.com. I'm Jim Burns with today's Homeward Snapshot. So what do you have to say for yourself? Dad, I said I was sorry. 16 years old and she decides to open a bottle of champagne. You do realize that champagne is an alcoholic beverage? Yes, Dad. And that it doesn't take much for a girl your age to get drunk? I know, Dad. So what were you thinking, Heather? Alcohol is a drug. It's toxic. It's addictive. Where did you get the idea it was okay to have a little champagne with your friends after school? From you, all right. You and Mom have champagne with your friends all the time. Why can't I? Alcohol is a drug. It's a drug because it's mood and mind-altering. It's also poison because it's toxic. If you drink lots of alcohol in the home, Mom and Dad, you're sending a mixed message to your kids. They hear you telling them how dangerous it is, and then they see you drinking too much with your friend. Well, what's up with that? Well, for a free copy of my tip sheet called Dangers of Teen Alcohol Abuse, go to homeward.com. I'm Jim Burns. Homeward is the place where parents get real answers, and in our resource center, you'll find the articles and tip sheets section of our website at homeward.com. has more than 400 different articles and tip sheets free for the downloading on a variety of different parenting topics. Learn more when you visit us online at homeword.com. Welcome back. I'm Jim Burns. We're talking today about becoming your daughter's ally in the fight against teen substance abuse. Actually, we could call this, Roger, becoming your son's ally as well. It's just good conversation about substance abuse. Sharon Hirsch with us, licensed professional counselor, author of several great books, a sought-after retreat and conference speaker, mother of two teenagers. Um, actually, they're just moving out of the teen years. You know, as you hear me say that, you know, teenagers are now latent. So it's not just she's got a 19-year-old and a 21-year-old. I still call them teenagers. Do you too? I do too. They don't like it. But um, <laughs> developmentally, right. they say that you remain a teenager until the age of 22. Ex and so I remind them of that often. That's true. <laughs> and actually, I think Ben Camp back there is he's at least in his 30s since he has kids in high school. And uh, I think he's still a teenager. Or at least he sometimes still acts like a teenager. Um, although he cut his hair and it's looking really good. Um, not that I think hair uh, is very important since I don't have a whole lot. <laughs> Sharon, we were t we've been talking about substance abuse and just the, the issues of it. And frankly, there were some people who were frightened by our last nine minutes of conversation mm -hmm. because they're saying, wow, this, this could be my kid is young and I can't imagine my kid doing this. They might be tempted. We they just don't be. know. One of the things that you say that really helped me as a dad and I think will help many of our listeners as well is that you encourage, in this particular book, you encourage moms, you encourage mom and dads to become allies with their kids. What does it mean to be an ally with your child, even when you have some of this fear that they could be going in a, in a wrong direction? Well, I think with regard to substance abuse, there are three things that um, kind of are kind of catchy, so I'll mention them and then go back and talk about them. The first is to look for moments of meaning. Mm -hmm. The second is to look for moments that matter. And then finally, to look for moments that make a difference, which, of course, Great. is what we as parents want to believe we can do. So when you look for moments of meaning, this is where you need to be armed with information. We really need to know more 
than our teenagers do about substance abuse. And so the Internet is a great resource. There are tons of books. And so when your child begins to say, Mom, you know, marijuana is just an herb. What's the big deal? You can throw out a little fact like it's an herb with 411 different chemicals in it and um, can really become addictive and impact every organ in your body. So you look for moments of meaning where you can interject a, a little information. Let me interrupt right there because I agree with you so much. But I think it, when it comes to marijuana, it's very important that some of our listeners smoked marijuana. It might <laughs> even help them through college. But the fact is, is it's not the same marijuana today. It's 10 to 20 percent stronger, and it's sometimes laced with another drug. It is. If we don't stay up on the latest information, That's right. then you know that meaning isn't going to be as meaningful because you know, we're talking about a different drug. And we've got to stay even in touch with what's going on with drugs like pharmaceuticals and all the other types of prescription drugs, the things yes. that kids are using as well. The designer drugs that are available that change almost every day. Exactly. And so we do need to be armed with information. Right. When my um, own son began experimenting with smoking cigarettes, I took this big gallon jar and put it in the middle of the dining room table and every cigarette butt that I could find, I would just toss into it, half filled with water. And he was like, gross, mom, what are you doing? And then we began to talk about what is actually in a cigarette and um, what it could look like in your body. And so to have creative ways to interact um, and engage about what is true about the different substances is important. That is so critical. And I'm so impressed that you do that. But sometimes information just isn't enough. You've got to go to the next one. So what's that? And that is moments that matter. matter. And that is when you really have to have courage. I mean, of heroic proportions. To be able to say to your son or daughter, so what did you like about those few sips of beer that you took? What did you like about marijuana? What did it make you feel? And then when teenagers say things like, I could talk to all the boys, or it made me feel like I was okay. We need to acknowledge um, what's not to like about that, that indeed there is something in substances that promises something to our teenagers that they are legitimately looking for. And so when we identify that and can begin to talk about their legitimate needs of belonging, acceptance, being able to connect with their peers, we're talking about things that are far more important than a few sips of beer at a party or um, smoking marijuana during your lunch hour. And so then we're talking about things that matter and become more effective in communicating. Once we can connect information to moments that matter, then we have an opportunity to look for moments that really make a difference. Unfortunately, most parents want to skip to the third thing. We want to make a difference, and so we're going to ban them from their friends. We're going to do drug tests every other day, and sometimes those things might be necessary. But if they're not connected to the first two, then we kind of look like Nazi parents. I think when it comes to substance abuse, teenagers ask me this question more than anything else. What is the big deal? What Uh, is the big deal? What would you say? What do you say to them? They are the big deal. And so when we find out what they are wanting and what they are looking for and really affirm that it makes sense that they would look for it in something they can find within five minutes and purchase for less than $20 in their high school. Uh, But let's help them find that in more meaningful ways, then we begin to make a difference. Great, great input today. Very, very important. There's a woman out there, there's a man out there who's saying, I don't want my kids to have to go through this. And yet I've never talked to my kids about drugs and alcohol abuse, and maybe they've even experimented, but maybe it's just not their major issue. 
What would you say to them in terms of getting a conversation started when their kids are preteens or very young teens? I think I would start with what you just said, saying to them, you know what, I don't want to have a conversation about drugs and alcohol with you because I don't know a lot about it, because it scares me, because I've seen news programs or statistics out there about how teenagers get in trouble, trouble with the law, trouble with their job, trouble with school when they use drugs and alcohol. I'm afraid of it. But I'm not going to avoid it. I am not going to look the other way because you are a big deal. What do you know about it? I'm a big believer in being pretty transparent about where you're at. And if you're afraid or you don't know a lot, I'd say tell your teenagers that. And and then begin on a path together to talk about this subject. Mm, Great, great input. Don't have much time left. But one of the things that you said was if you're going to forge a strong alliance with your son or with your daughter, in some ways it's the strong alliance that you have with God's help. How how does that work? Well, I think that as we as parents begin to want to tell our teenagers, just say no, and you don't need to use drugs or alcohol because we've got a great family or you've got a lot of talents and skills, we as parents need to say, okay, where do we go for our hope? When I fight with my husband, when I don't have enough money in my bank account, when my friends are not there for me, do I turn to potato chips or a glass of wine or to buying something new at the mall? If our source of hope is not God, then we're going to be ineffective in talking to our teenagers about finding their hope in him. And so we have some homework to do ourselves besides just finding out about drugs and alcohol in the teen world. We need to look in our own world and see where we are turning in the midst of life's difficulties. Mm, Great input. Sharon Hirsch, you're amazing. Thank you. You got to come back. I have lots more questions. Can you come back? I would love to. Well, that concludes part one of Dr. Jim Burns' two-part conversation with author and counselor Sharon Hirsch today here on the Homeward Broadcast. We've been talking about substance abuse and your kids. Uh, Jim's written about this in his book, How to Talk to Your Kids About Drugs. As a matter of fact, it's research that Jim has done for a number of years on this very important topic and uh, going back to the mid-1980s and seeing how it's changed. Um, If you'd like to order a copy of How to Talk to Your Kids About Drugs, we highly recommend that you get a copy. Uh, You can go to homeward.com. You can order directly from our online resource center, and when you do, a portion of the proceeds goes to supporting our ministry. And Jim, this is a conversation. You know, we talk about talking to your kids about drugs and alcohol abuse and things like that. This is also a conversation maybe we as parents should be having. Mom and Dad should start with the dialogue first. Once we admit that there is at least a possibility that our kids might experiment, I think it's easier to begin looking for some of the warning signs. For example, you'll see potentially a radical change in their appearance. You'll see grades drop. You'll smell smoke. Yeah. You know, a lot of times they'll say, well, I have all these friends who smoke. Well, typically, if you can smell smoke on them, it's not just from their friends. It's probably on them as well. When you begin to see these kids making uh, some of the changes that are a little bit less radical, if you will, then you, you, know, you start looking at it. But assume that your kids may need some help. And so, again, in this case, you're not their friend. You're not trying to be their buddy. You simply get an assessment as quick as you can, as far as I'm concerned. When they begin abandoning friends, when they begin ditching school, when they begin getting terrible grades, flunking out or whatever that is, then pretty much you can assume that there is a drug or alcohol problem. Now, you don't want to be in denial on this. At the same time, you've got to look at your own self. I noticed that with Sharon. You know, she had a problem herself. Right, right. And yet she was then going to be in denial about her own kids. We have to make sure that we are thinking about this in our own life as well as for our kids. Tough love isn't easy, but it can be a lifesaver in this case. Yeah, Jim, and as you're mentioning tough love, my first thought is, well, we have to have tough love with ourselves before we can have tough love with our kids. And the fact that this can happen, I know that you stress to parents how important it is to give ourselves permission to say, my kid might wind up 
walking down this road. My, my son or daughter might be influenced by drugs or alcohol. And especially, let's face it, now when you see states like Colorado legalizing marijuana, Washington State, kids are going to have questions and they're going to ask, well, why not? You know, what? It, it's legal somewhere else. Why wouldn't we do, want to experiment with these types of things? As the pressures are greater and the cultural influences are stronger. Uh, that's why we stress uh, I the book I mentioned a moment ago, How to Talk to Your Kids About Drugs. It's an outstanding resource to have. It's a big one, comprehensive. It's available wherever Christian books are sold, but you can also order a copy from Homeward. And when you do, a portion of the proceeds goes to supporting our ministry. Also, sign up for the Homeward Culture Brief. It's absolutely free. Every week, it's kind of like a quick tip sheet of four or five different things that are happening in the culture that are influencing your kids that you need to know about. You can sign up for your free culture brief at Homeward.com. Thanks, Roger, and thank you for your ongoing prayers and your financial support to make it possible for us to bring you great programs like today's program. Uh, your partnership also enables us to extend the reach of Homeward into areas like our events, publications, online ministries, our daily evotional and monthly parenting newsletter. And if you don't know about that, then I encourage you to go to Homeward.com. We appreciate your financial support, especially today. We could use it. And we're not looking just for people to support us once. We want a growing number of people to come alongside the Homeward movement. Let's make a difference in families together. And obviously, you can give us a call. Roger gives the number often. You can go to Homeward.com and get all the information you need to become a part of the Homeward movement. financial family in many ways. You're helping us reach out, not just here in the United States, but around the world. Until next time, I'm Jim Burns. Thanks for listening today to Homeward. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.